If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist 
specialist to find out if it's right for you. Story time. I'm not really a believer in ghosts, but let me just say that right now. However, I saw something that I cannot explain one night while working the night shift as a park ranger. I was patrolling a very wooded area, a very popular camping spot. This was in central Illinois. I won't tell you the park name. It's always been weird to me because this place is usually packed during the day, but at night, it's different. Not that many campers stay overnight here. So this was right around 1.30 in the morning and I just started my second round of patrolling. I see this tall, dark figure standing near an old cabin on one of the trails. For whatever reason, I thought it was a mannequin somebody had left out here for a prank, just because of the way it looked and how still it was. I got closer and realized I was wrong in my judgment. It was moving, very slowly though. But as soon as I shined my light on it, it didn't have a face, no eyes, no nose, no mouth, nothing. It was just this dark silhouette with what appeared to be arms and legs and looked just like a human, only in shape, of course. It was completely black. The figure also appeared to have some sort of cloak or cape draped over him or her. So obviously, I'm trying my best not to panic. My mind is racing with possible explanations for this thing. Perhaps some mischievous college students dressed in cloaks playing a prank. Perhaps I'm hallucinating. Either way, it's creeping me out, and I want no part of whatever this thing is. But before I can turn around and walk away or run for that matter, this thing picks up speed and begins to run towards me. This thing gets about 20 feet from me and leaps up about 30 feet into the air, up into the trees, like some sort of wild animal. Now I am freaking out, and panic is setting in. I'm obviously not dealing with a regular person. This is something else entirely, and like some wild, crazy animal, it's jumping around on all fours from tree to tree, following me, keeping parallel with me as I'm running back to my truck. I run as fast as my legs could take me but found myself near the campground's entrance, where I made a break for my truck, jumping inside and locking the door behind. I just sat there in silence for about 3 to 5 minutes, trying to catch my breath, thinking to myself, I hope that thing leaves. I was too afraid to even shoot at it, and I had no idea how I'm ever going to report this. I mean, number one, who's gonna believe me, and number two, my superiors are probably gonna mock me and ridicule me. I could even lose my job if I reported such a thing, or maybe they even speculate that I was on drugs. So I kind of just sat there and sank in my seat, not sure how I should go about telling about this. This was easily one of the creepiest and most paranormal things I've ever experienced on the job. I never saw it again after that. Thank God. Bind Park Ranger is unfortunately a job that's filled with tragedy a lot of the time, but we believe and suspect that a man had gotten lost and disoriented. Making a wrong turn sometime during the middle of the night, falling to his death after trying to climb up almost a sheer cliff. We found his backpack about 20 yards from where he had passed, but there were no clues as to where his body might have gone. It's like he just vanished into thin air. 
We're not sure how long his body had been there or if maybe he was killed, but we found no signs of animal interference. A ranger who asked to remain nameless claims they heard the man screaming during the night while they were near the scene. When they decided to check it out, they found nothing. I know this sounds crazy, but I do think something happened. When we arrived at the scene, all my dog would do was whine and stare at the rock wall. He didn't bark or anything like he normally does. It seemed like he wanted me to follow him, so I did. We ended up having to climb the steep cliff face with almost zero holds in order to get to the man. That's if the man was actually there, though he wasn't. We could only speculate that the man fell to his death, hence the blood in his backpack. But then there's the question, where's his body? Why is it gone? Near Diamond Lake, right on Rough Creek where it converges with Fish Creek, near the breathtaking Tokatee Falls, I embarked on a deer hunting adventure with my teenage son. Upon reaching our campsite, a realization struck us, we had forgotten our tent poles. Undeterred, after hiking around and having dinner, we resigned ourselves to sleeping on the ground. In deference to the dry conditions, we refrained from lighting a campfire. As the night unfolded, I drifted into a deep sleep, oblivious to the tranquility around us. However, my slumber was abruptly disrupted by a peculiar sensation on my beard. At the time, I sported a voluminous beard and mustache, coupled with long hair. It felt as if something were gently running fingers through my facial hair, not with the intention of waking me, but as though attempting to ascertain my identity. I likened it to a blind person delicately exploring the contours of a face to see through touch. Oddly, my first thoughts turned to a squirrel or another critter. Amidst this curious interaction, an unmistakable and overwhelming odor engulfed the air, a pungent mixture of burnt hair and decomposing meat. The intensity of the scent heightened my senses. With a sudden jolt, I sat up and roared hoping to startle whatever unseen presence was exploring my facial hair. In response, it swiftly retreated into the thick underbrush, avoiding any need to cross the nearby dirt and gravel paths. The reverberations of its departure were unmistakable, crashing through the foliage on two legs, emitting a distinct impression of size and weight. Once I regained my bearings, I reached for a flashlight, eager to investigate the ground for any trace of tracks left by this mysterious visitor. Much to my surprise, there were none to be found. This encounter, unlike typical Bigfoot sightings, did not unfold through visual cues, instead, it was experienced through scent, touch, and sound. Reflecting on this uncanny episode and exchanging stories with others who have ventured into the woods, I am increasingly convinced that I had a close encounter with a Bigfoot that memorable evening. Additionally, it's worth noting that the area through which the Bigfoot made its hasty escape was blanketed in dry leaves, amplifying the noise as it navigated through the underbrush. The unmistakable crunch of leaves underscored the creature's departure, leaving an indelible mark on the memory of that eerie night in the Oregon wilderness. My name is Kale, and this is a story about the first time that I saw a werewolf. It happened when I was a little boy, around 8 to 11 years old. I lived in Estonia, and I still do, 
with my stepfather, mother, older sister, younger brother, and our dog. We had gone to our summer home, a beautiful old house that my parents had bought. We had added new windows to it because it didn't have any. One night, my sister and I decided to sleep in a tent, so our stepfather set it up, and we spent the night in there. I was a little nervous because I had heard that the forest near our house had bears. Still, my mother assured me that bears don't come close to humans, and, well, she was right. What I saw wasn't a bear. Around midnight, when my sister was sleeping, I had to go to the bathroom. So, I got out and walked pretty far from the house to do my business. When I finished, I heard a howl and screeching. I looked around but didn't see anything. I thought it was in my head because I really liked werewolves and wolves, but there were no wolves in our forest, not that I would know. But I had asked my mother. I just felt like something or someone was staring at me, watching me. I started to walk back to the tent when I heard a scream that still haunts me. It was a scream of a deer, but it sounded like it was drowning. A few minutes later, I heard rustling in the bushes. I looked toward the big bush near me, roughly 50 feet away, and saw an animal with red-yellow glowing eyes looking directly at me. I thought it might be a neighbor's dog, but they lived a few miles away, and the dog wasn't as big as this creature. So, I was startled because my second thought was a bear, and I didn't move because I knew when you meet a wild animal, you can't turn your back to it. So, you have to walk away slowly backward. But when I tried, I wounded my foot, and that thing growled loudly, preventing me from walking away. I was afraid, knowing that it wasn't a bear, bears don't growl like that. I stood there, this thing staring at me, and I started to smell a rotten stink mixed with blood. It growled again with even more intensity. A few minutes, which felt like hours, had gone by when something happened that I could only dream of. The thing stood on its back legs, and I saw what it looked like. Like I said, I was a big fan of werewolves but didn't think I would meet one. It was about 8 to 8 and a half feet tall with red-yellowish eyes, covered in fur. Its upper body had longer fur than the lower part, and it looked like a man but was bigger and had a tail and a wolf or German shepherd's head. The thing stared at me for more minutes and came closer. It had black claws and brown fur and sniffed me really close, about 5 feet away, and then stopped. It showed me its teeth by opening its mouth, and then I saw how its teeth were covered in blood. I think it sensed how scared I was because I was crying. Then, it turned around and walked toward the forest. But before it went in, it turned around and looked at me, as if seeing if I was still watching. It held its gaze and ran into the forest. When it was gone, I finally got my body to move, and I walked to my tent with my heart pounding in my chest. I finally got in, and I could feel the tears running down my face. I kept thinking about it and couldn't believe what I saw. I tried to fall asleep, and when I woke up in the morning, I wasn't sure if it was real or if I just had an intense dream. It felt so real, and at night, there was a full moon. When I checked my foot, I saw a wound that I got last night, and I believed it was real. I haven't told anyone the story yet because I don't like it when people say that I make stuff up, like with my other stories. But I saw it for real.
Now that I'm older and watching videos of true werewolf encounters, I believe I really did see a werewolf. I haven't seen any more of them, of course, but who knows. I have seen a kind of unknown winged creature in Loma Linda, California. I only saw it one time and was using a pair of binoculars at night when I noticed the silhouette of, what at first appeared to me, as an airplane drone. It swooped upwards and had a very large wingspan that was closer to a flying wing configuration. It swung back over and headed in my direction. At the time, I estimated it to be less than a quarter mile away. I kept my binoculars on this aircraft looking dark silhouette as it came in my direction but appeared to be lined up with a main street that passes by my location about 200 feet away. At the time I was thinking I had just spotted some kind of police surveillance drone and wasn't concerned. It had reached an altitude of 150 to 200 feet during its wing over heading back towards me and was in a descent that had reached my level of about 15 feet when passed by but was following the street. It was traveling at least 50 miles per hour and didn't have a discernible sound from a propeller. As it went past I was startled by the noticeable red glow of its eye. The silhouette as it passed by appeared bird-like. It looked like a black eagle or hawk but at least 8 or more feet in body length and a wingspan of at least 12 feet. It passed behind some trees as I followed it and expected to see it come into view while silhouetted against the large illuminated hospital structures. To this day I can still visualize the glowing red eye that seemed to be looking at me like it knew I was watching it. This happened around 2014. I rationalized it as being some kind of aircraft but that silhouette resembled a bird and the glowing red eye. It wasn't right. I am not making this up and would like to know if anyone else in my area has seen something like I described. I was out at my grandparents' house, hunting coyotes, as usual, this time of year. I was hiking through my next-door neighbor's land, to get to the wood-covered land in the back. While I was hiking, I got the feeling I was being followed by something to my right. I stopped and switched the red tin on my headlamp to my spotlight but didn't see anything. Then I switched back to my headlamp and pulled my rifle back up and continued my hike. It was 6.15 am and the sun was just coming up. I was sitting in a hide I'd made the day before. That's when I saw something behind a group of trees on my left. It was crouched. I raised my rifle, looked through my scope and froze when I saw the creature staring back at me. I panicked and fired a shot off. That's when it stood up and took off, deeper into the woods. I sat there probably another 25 minutes before I decided it was safe to head in and did so. Later that day, I grabbed my grandfather and we both went out to where I had seen the creature when it stood up on two legs and took off. We measured where I had seen it and it was roughly seven half feet tall. To this day, I'm terrified to go out at night or in the early morning hours. There are poultry farms located east of Shreveport. In November of 2017 there have been incidents of dogman encounters on this farm. The footprints, 
dead chicken sightings and even the farmer shooting at the creature with shotguns, rifles and pistols video was taken by one of the overseers on duty. What is bad? Is that there are several other farms over the area that have had these werewolf encounters and it's bad for business exclamation mark we must have the wildlife agents deal with tracking them to their lair of residence and terminating the damn things. The frequency of incidents is more and more. These farmers are not in the mood to have their lives torn by these dogmen and unless dealt with now. They will do more damage, as far as being broadcast to the general public about these demons and their doings. They are not informed and the capers that prevail are unchecked by most area farmers and residents. This story should be a wake-up call for the law enforcement community and the area farmers as well as the citizens to make a stand against these Vea Wolf dogman encounters. On May 21, 2014, at around 7.30 p.m. in Levine, Arizona, while sitting at our dining table having dinner, my wife, my 17-year-old daughter, and I saw what we thought was a flying humanoid pass by our sliding glass door window. My daughter stated that out of the corner of her eye, she saw a brown mass swoop past the window but did not see any detail, only that it was big and covered the window area. I also saw a brown mass and as I turned to look it seemed like a pair of large legs, swooped down, through my sprinklers, and heading in a westerly direction. My wife, who was facing the door directly, said she saw a human figure as well. She stated that it flew toward the ground. She said it was dark brown and looked as if the person was lying face down with their arms to their sides. She estimated the body length at 6 to 7 feet and that the wingspan was at least twice the length of the body. I immediately ran to the door and ran outside to look. I did not see anything more but also didn't see any birds. Later that night, my wife and I both heard flapping sounds coming from the backyard. I looked out the bedroom window but did not see anything out of the ordinary. For almost a month, we would occasionally hear the flapping sounds but were never able to catch a glimpse of the source of the sounds. I am a widow with a teenage daughter in Casper, Wyoming, west of the city near the county airport. The property had been in my husband's family for many years. I recently purchased an adjacent home and property after the owner passed away. This is where the story actually begins. I settled on the new property just after Thanksgiving. Since it was purchased as is it was fairly inexpensive but requires a lot of work. I hired an auction house to come in and remove the contents for future sale. The auction was scheduled for next week, but a few odd things happened when the items were first listed for sale. I received a phone call from the auctioneer a few weeks ago. He wanted to know if I had any knowledge concerning the contents of the house. I told him that I didn't know the owner that well but that I did know that he had lived on the property since the 1950s. The auctioneer said that a young woman came into the auction house and told him that the property and contents were stolen and that it belonged to her family in North Dakota. She didn't give her name but assured him that she had documentation to prove her assertions and that she planned to take legal action if the sale continued. I contacted my attorney and the realtor who verified that the property sale was legal and that there were no prior claims to it. The young woman, who was described as very plain, 
thin with long red hair, has not been heard from since. It was decided that the auction would continue as scheduled. Then this past Tuesday, New Year's Day around noon, someone rang the doorbell. I was in the kitchen and I knew my daughter would answer the door. I heard the door open and the voice of a young girl. My daughter soon yelled loudly Mom, come here. As I walked down the hallway toward the door I noticed three girls standing on the porch. They stood without movement staring directly at me. As I approached, I was shocked when I noticed that their eyes were completely black in color. I asked if I could help them. The tallest girl asked if they could come in to talk about the house and property I had recently purchased. I immediately replied that we were busy and that I would give them the phone number of my attorney if they had any inquiries. They just turned and walked away without saying anything else. Each of the girls had blonde hair and wore heavy winter clothing with boots. They seemed to be in their early teens. I watched as they walked toward the highway and eventually lost sight of them. Since then we have not been contacted by anyone concerning the property. The auction has been postponed for other reasons and has not been rescheduled. My attorney continues to research the property records for any other information. I suppose the most important question is, who are these children? Do I need to be concerned? I look forward to your comments. Vic shared with me the tale of a discovery he made in the woods west of Napa Canyon Dam, down in Klamath County, back in August of 1979. He affectionately referred to the place as Bigfoot House. The story unfolded during a pursuit of a deer he had shot, which darted into a densely wooded thicket about 150 yards away from the road. Despite his efforts, the deer eluded him, leading Vic to stumble upon a peculiar clearing. This clearing was anything but ordinary, no grass or trees adorned the well-trodden ground, forming a rough oval spanning 30 to 40 feet. Strangely, at the north end of the oval, he encountered piles of poop, some towering 2 to 3 feet high. On the opposite end of the clearing lay a disconcerting sight, a mound of bones, ranging from bleached remnants to those still adorned with bits of flesh. The air thickened with an inexplicable tension as he took in the bizarre scene, marking the mysterious footprint of the elusive Bigfoot in the heart of Klamath County's wilderness. One chilling evening, as the moon cast an eerie glow over the desolate woods, I found myself immersed in the haunting silence of nature. The air hung heavy with an unsettling stillness, and an inexplicable unease settled upon my shoulders. Little did I know, this night would etch a harrowing encounter into the recesses of my memory. Venturing into the heart of the forest, my senses heightened with each cautious step. The shadows played tricks on my mind, distorting the trees into menacing figures that whispered ancient secrets. As I trod further, a peculiar sensation crawled up my spine, urging me to remain vigilant. Suddenly, a piercing howl shattered the silence, resonating through the dense canopy above. My heart raced in response, and beads of sweat formed on my forehead. I strained my eyes to pierce through the darkness, attempting to decipher the source of this unearthly sound. That's when I saw it, a monstrous silhouette, about 150 yards away. A great big, man-like ape emerged from the shadows, 
its dark coat blending seamlessly with the surrounding night. My breath caught in my throat as the creature's face and chest revealed a ghastly contrast, lighter, almost ghostly, in the obsidian abyss. A wave of fear washed over me, paralyzing my every instinct. The creature's eyes, pools of darkness reflecting an otherworldly intelligence, locked onto mine. Time itself seemed to pause as we shared an inexplicable connection, the veil between the known and the unknown thinning to a mere whisper. The forest, once a haven of solitude, now cocooned me in an unsettling symphony of rustling leaves and ominous whispers. I could hear my own heartbeat, a frantic rhythm mirroring the intensity of the moment. In a sudden, deliberate motion, the creature turned and vanished into the shadows from whence it came. The echoes of its departure lingered, leaving me alone with the haunting question of what secrets the woods held, secrets that transcended the boundaries of the natural world. With trembling limbs, I retraced my steps, haunted by the image of that great beast. The enigmatic encounter etched itself into the fabric of my reality, a phantom lingering at the edge of my consciousness, waiting to stir the embers of that bone-chilling night. In the days of my youth, an inexplicable encounter left an indelible mark on my memory. It happened while I was riding in a car with a friend, and the strange incident unfolded through the rearview window. As we traversed the streets, I suddenly found myself transfixed by a peculiar sight, a set of large, glowing purple eyes, eerily reminiscent of a feline gaze. Excitement and confusion gripped me as I tried desperately to draw my friend's attention to this unusual spectacle. However, my friend remained oblivious, unable to perceive the mysterious eyes that seemed to pierce through the darkness. Curiosity getting the better of them, my friend turned to investigate, only to find the eyes had vanished without a trace. Despite the disappearance, an uncanny feeling lingered, a sense that we were not alone in our peculiar encounter. As we continued our journey, an unsettling revelation unfolded. Those haunting purple eyes reappeared in the rearview mirror. Turning around to confront the inexplicable, I was met with an unsettling void, a faceless presence dominated by those luminous purple orbs. The eyes seemed to emanate from an unseen entity, perched upon the trunk of my friend's car, fixated on me with an intensity that sent shivers down my spine. Strangely, I could discern no body, no features beyond those glowing eyes. Doubt gnawed at me, and the lingering question of whether I had entered the realm of hallucination haunted my thoughts. To this day, the memory of those enigmatic purple eyes remains etched in my mind, a fleeting encounter with the unknown that defies explanation. The line between reality and imagination blurred, leaving me with an enduring mystery from the recesses of my past. I had this old man telling me this story of a cryptid. He called them tree people, and described them as long lanky humanoids made of roots and moss and other foliage that secret and sweet and acrid smelling sappy substance. He said they can climb into things through their mouths and puppet them after consuming their souls. That they only possess things to feed on other things. 
He said he swears that him and a buddy went out hunting one summer when he was like 19 and they saw this deer chewing just above the grass not actually eating anything just chewing on air and that the eye that they could see was looking directly at them and they're blind a little ways off. The eye was unnatural for a deer mostly white with a ring of very pale blue and a large pupil. The other hunter was freaked out a little and wanted to leave so they packed up but when they exited the blind the deer was closer just chewing and staring. He said the other hunter couldn't stop staring at the thing and it wasn't running so he approached it. When the hunter got close enough to touch it a long sticky black arm slowly like stretched out of the deer's mouth and started like caressing the guy's face. The dude who told me the story said the other hunter hit the ground after being touched and started convulsing while the thing kept climbing out the deer and touching the dude. He said it shot at the deer like two or three times and it ran off, and he got his buddy to the hospital and he ended no remembering anything and the doc said he had some freak seizer. What do y'all think? Weird old man telling porcupines or is it a cryptid? Incident setting, Middle Tennessee, summer 2020, around 1 a.m. CST. It was the pandemic summer, and my two friends and I were dreadfully bored. The three of us spent a lot of time driving around, to Sonic or the miserable state of Iowa. We also went randonauting several times. Gas was cheap and it was fun to go down roads we had never turned onto before. On our third or fourth trip, We had done two very normal locations with goofy intentions set and saw nothing out of the ordinary. We decided to do one more location before calling it a night. We always had our perimeter set small, not wanting to go further than about 30 minutes out from our town. The third location, with the intention of just show us something gave us coordinates less than 5 minutes from my grandma's house, in a neighborhood. When we got to the location, there was nothing. It was a random road in a suburb, all was very quiet, dark, and normal. But as we went to leave, with the Maps app guiding us, we ended up getting lost in the neighborhood. Somehow, we ended up coming up on the spot again, from the same direction as before. But this time, all three of us in the car saw a brightly shining gold figure in the middle of the road, probably 20 or so feet from the front of car. We were silent until it moved to the side of the road, behind a car parked on the curb, and disappeared. Without addressing what we had just saw, all of us started to say we need to go almost simultaneously. It was until we were back on a main road that the question of did y'all see that too was finally raised. We all agreed on the limited features we saw, gold, glowing, about 4 feet tall, and no definable features on its orb-slash-cylindrical shape. We didn't know what to make of it then, and we still go hey remember when to each other now. After that night, we didn't go randonauting again, and my friend started hanging a cross necklace from her rear view mirror. None of us are the type to believe in physical manifestations of the supernatural, and I can't think of any rational explanation for what we saw that night. Details relating to what about X, we were all sober, the house it went towards had floodlights, they never came on, if it was a person in reflective clothing, it would have been an outline of a human figure, this shape had no discernible features as I mentioned, I don't really post on reddit, so if you have a recommendation for another subreddit this would better belong in, let me know. Other than that, 
Just looking for ideas of what on earth we saw that night. Thanks. A couple of years ago, during the quiet solitude of a winter night, I found myself engrossed in a movie in my room. The clock had struck around 3 am when a peculiar sound interrupted the cinematic ambience, a laughter that echoed eerily, reminiscent of a jester's laugh. Intrigued and slightly unnerved, I decided to investigate the source of this uncanny sound. Venturing into my backyard, I directed my attention toward the area behind the house where the laughter seemed to originate. The sound persisted, rhythmic and punctuating the stillness of the night, always emanating from above a tree. The veil of darkness shrouded whatever entity might be responsible, and my attempts to discern its nature proved futile. Compounded by the fact that a winter storm was unfolding, with its gusty winds and icy precipitation, I retreated indoors, choosing to wait out the mysterious laughter. To my relief, the unnerving sound ceased, and the night returned to its usual calm. As dawn broke, I ventured outside to survey the aftermath of the storm. The pristine canvas of snow bore witness to the enigmatic visitor, leaving tracks that piqued my curiosity. Upon closer inspection, the tracks resembled those of an opossum or a raccoon, imprinting their presence in the wintry landscape. Speculation swirled in my mind, and a hypothesis emerged, perhaps the elusive laughter had emanated from a creature native to Texas, where I resided. Could it have been an owl, a nocturnal denizen of the night known for its enigmatic calls? The tracks left behind suggested a terrestrial visitor. But the nocturnal symphony of Texas wildlife is a diverse tapestry, and the source of that mysterious laughter remains an unsolved riddle. If anyone familiar with the intricacies of Texas wildlife could provide insights or suggestions, it would be greatly appreciated. The laughter of that fateful night continues to echo in my memory, an enduring mystery shrouded in the wintry veil of a Texas storm. I was recently driving to work in the morning just before 8 a.m. in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I had two other co-workers with me. I had a feeling recently of being followed or something when I saw this. One of my passengers said, look, a van and no driver. I could see no one driving the van behind me. It was following us and when I looked through the rearview mirror, there was no one on the driver's side. It was an inexpensive van, a Mercedes. It came up fast behind us several times, then sped off fast going south down the street after it passed us. When we looked over, no one was driving the van. Was it a ghost? There was no hint of an apparition. We thought someone was hiding while driving but it clearly wasn't. We were talking about it at work because we thought it was odd to see a ghost car. Clear windows and during a well-lit time of day. That afternoon, while driving home on the same highway, the same driverless van pulled up behind us? Once again it passed us and there was no one in the driver's seat. This occurred on I-44. I wonder if anyone else had the same experience? I was camping with my brother in western Virginia in the mountains about 20 miles north of Virginia Tech. We had hiked up to a mountaintop and then stopped on the way back down at a saddle point in the mountains, 
There was a good flat spot. So we had finished dinner and headed into the tent and were talking a bit, about to drift off to sleep when it started. It was a beep. About every 20 seconds, although I didn't time it. Just a single beep, exactly like you would hear from a smoke detector that is low on battery. Except we were miles from any homes and of course we didn't have any smoke detectors with us. We discussed what it was and discussed going out and looking for it, but we were a bit freaked out by it. The beeping got louder and quieter, so it seemed like it was moving. After a while it got quieter and stopped, or we just drifted off to sleep. We talk about it sometimes still, call it the beeper. When I was 11 or 12, I spent a week with my family at Allegheny State Park in NY PA. One day, my two cousins, who were close in age, and I decided to embark on an adventurous hike along an 18-mile trail. Of course, we didn't entertain the idea that we'd actually make it that far, but the thrill of exploration fueled our journey. We ascended a mountain trail for two to three hours, eager to see where it would lead us. After what felt like a considerable distance, we arrived at a small level area on the trail. To our surprise, Nestled right in the middle was a makeshift lean-to constructed from pine boughs. Inside this peculiar structure lay an unsettling discovery, around 30 squashed toad bodies. Two large, flat rocks served as a morbid stage, covered in the remains of these unfortunate creatures. The scene totally freaked us out. Questions raced through our minds. Who would hike all the way up there just to spend the day chasing and murdering toads? It sent shivers down our spines, and an eerie feeling settled over us. Without hesitation, we decided to head back down, our imaginations running wild with the unsettling image we had stumbled upon. Even now, the memory makes my skin crawl, leaving behind a lingering sense of unease. I recently got back from a backpacking trip in Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Park, and I have a good amount of experience in the backcountry and have never been spooked before. However, this trip was different. We spotted a picturesque swimming hole from a vista point on the highway and decided to hike down to it, but the trail was closed due to recent wildfires and we had to bushwhack our way the entire time me and three buddies. We get down to the river finally and the area is very secluded due to the steep river canyon walls that we had just hiked down. We notice a perfect campground set up, nice fire pit, area for tents, and a nice clearing. Next we notice something strange, a tent strewn across the ground, a backpack thrown open on the ground with all the pockets open and belongings on the ground in about 20 feet radius. There was also a sleeping bag rolled up but thrown into the bushes and barely visible. The absolute eeriest part though was the two pairs of new-looking hiking boots perfectly placed on a large boulder. All the gear looked a little weathered, but not like it had been outside more than a week or two. We couldn't think of a logical reason why someone would leave this stuff, let alone their hiking boots. The trail up was very treacherous and boots were necessary. So we forget about the creepy gear and proceed to all do acid and hang out by the river. Things are all gravy until it gets dark and we must walk through the abandoned campsite. This is when we all get spooky vibes, and even though no one says it outright, 
We were all thinking about if whatever was responsible for the sketchy condition of the camp would come back. We never came up with a rational conclusion, but we did feel the horror movie vibes all night. When I was a kid, six years old or so, I was out camping with my dad in Wilson's Promontory, Australia. We were luckily the only campsite in the clearing as it can get pretty busy down there. Anyway I woke up sometime around 2 or 3 am and realized I needed to pee. So I crawled out of my sleeping bag and made my way to the end of the tent. After not so gracefully getting out of the small two-man tent I walked off towards the bushland that was bordering the clearing and prepared to squat and get on with it. The clearing was semi-lit by the moon this night so while my eyes were adjusting I could see shadows of the trees and the tent but not much else. In my half-asleep days I had my back to the trees and was facing the tent and the clearing. I heard the noise of my sweet release making a small puddle between my legs followed by a rustle of leaves behind me. I tried to turn around and see what was behind me but my eyes couldn't focus on anything but was a few feet in front of me. I stained my bladder to finish up already while the crackling of dried twigs being snaped underfoot started to get louder and closer. By this point my heart was hammering in my chest and all I wanted to do was get into bed. I then heard this grunt like nothing I had ever heard before it sounded like heavy raspy breathing. I started to run towards the tent pulling up my pants as I screamed for my dad for help. I looked behind me and saw a wombat running towards me making this horrible grunting noise. I ended up getting onto our small table out of front of the tent and by the time looked around to see where the grumpy F was he was stumbling back away from the tent and back to where he came from. When I was younger, around 16 to 17, I spent most of my summer breaks at my grandparents' house, taking care of my great-grandma while they were out of town. She couldn't be left alone, and I enjoyed spending time with her and assisting her. We devoted a considerable amount of time to watching Ghost Hunters on Demand, as it was one of my favorite shows, and she was always up for watching new shows with me. Throughout the show, she would comment on everything, exclaiming, look, they found a ghosty. However, she remained skeptical at the end, asserting, that couldn't happen, ghosts aren't real. When you die, that's it. You just go to heaven. I would always counter, saying, well, grandma, how would you know that? You're still alive. To which she'd respond, well, when I die, I'll let you know. About two years later, in 2011, while I was home from college for Thanksgiving break, my great-grandma passed away at the age of 93. I was heartbroken. After her funeral, I returned to school, trying to carry on as best as I could. About a month later, I was watching TV in my dorm room. My roommate and my sweetmates had all gone home for a weekend, and I stayed to take advantage of the silence. I had been channel surfing for most of the night and came across a show about ghost hunting. I watched it for a bit and decided to change the channel. However, the remote suddenly stopped working. I replaced the batteries with brand new ones, straight out of the box, but it wouldn't work. Finally, I decided to unplug the TV. Strangely enough, the TV was still on. At this point, 
I felt a chill down my spine, and the hanging blinds, drawn closed with the windows closed and locked, began to ripple and move. Mind you, everything in the room was shut and locked up tight. Nothing could have been making those blinds move like that. I stood in the middle of the room, a bit scared, but I also felt an overwhelming sense of comfort and familiarity. Grandma, I said, while holding back tears, I know it's you. Thank you for letting me know you're here, but you're kind of scaring me. Can you please stop? Suddenly, everything stopped. The blinds were still, and the TV shut off. Nothing like that ever happened again in that room. About a year later, I switched schools and moved in with my grandparents. I slept in my great-grandma's old room, and at night, I would hear her say, Angel! In my ear. In my half-asleep state, I could feel her hand stroking my hair, and I would feel so safe and comforted. My family and I were staying at a cabin in some woods with neighbors nearby. It was pretty rural. The cabin had two stories with a hanging roof over the side of the first floor. This meant that from my window, I would have been able to climb onto a roof outcropping from the window without a very big drop. The shingles almost lined up with the window sill. Anyways, it was the middle of summer so I decided to open my window because of how hot it was in the room I was staying in. My parents had the room on the same side of the house and also had the window open. There was a river nearby, so we didn't hear each other snoring or whatnot. I went to sleep, and for whatever reason, my mom couldn't fall asleep until 2 in the morning or so. She asked me the next morning if I had heard that sound outside my window late at night. Confused, I had her explain what it sounded like. She told me it was scratching on the window frame with its claws, and began to let out a low growl that didn't sound like a cat or mountain lion. After the noises outside of my window stopped, she heard a muffled pounding of some large animal running on the roof, and then it stopped and she didn't hear anything but the river anymore. It's still really creepy to think that I slept through this as it happened right outside my window, possibly trying to get in. Frontiersmen are not, as a rule, apartment to be very superstitious. They lead lives too hard and practical and have too little imagination in things spiritual and supernatural. I have heard but few ghost stories while living on the frontier, and those few are of a perfectly commonplace and conventional type. But I once listened to a goblin story, which rather impressed me. A grizzled, weather-beaten old mountain hunter, named Bauman who, was born and had passed all of his life on the frontier, told it the story to me. He must have believed what he said, for he could hardly repress a shudder at certain points of the tale, but he was of German ancestry, and in childhood had doubtless been saturated with all kinds of ghost and goblin lore. So that many fearsome superstitions were latent in his mind, besides, he knew well the stories told by the Indian medicine men in their winter camps, of the snow walkers, and the specters, spirits, ghosts and apparitions, the formless evil beings that haunt the forest depths, and dog and waylay the lonely wanderer who after nightfall passes through the regions where they lurk. It may be that when overcome by the horror of the fate that befell his friend, and when oppressed by the awful dread of the unknown, he grew to attribute, 
both at the time and still more in remembrance, weird and elfin traits to what was merely some abnormally wicked and cunning wild beast, but whether this was so or not, no man can say. When the event occurred, Bauman was still a young man and was trapping with a partner among the mountains dividing the forks of the salmon from the head of Wisdom River. Not having had much luck, he and his partner determined to go up into a particularly wild and lonely pass through which ran a small stream said to contain many beaver. The pass had an evil reputation because the year before a solitary hunter who had wandered into it was slain, seemingly by a wild beast, the half-eaten remains being afterward found by some mining prospectors who had passed his camp only the night before. The memory of this event, however, weighted very lightly with the two trappers, who were as adventurous and hardy as others of their kind. They took their two lean mountain ponies to the foot of the pass where they left them in an open beaver meadow, the rocky timber-clad ground being from there onward impracticable for horses. They then struck out on foot through the vast, gloomy forest, and in about four hours reached a little open glade where they concluded to camp, as signs of game were plenty. There was still an hour or two of daylight left, and after building a brush lean-to and throwing down and opening their packs, they started upstream. The country was very dense and hard to travel through, as there was much down timber, although here and there the somber woodland was broken by small glades of mountain grass. At dusk they again reached camp. The glade in which it was pitched was not many yards wide, the tall, close-set pines and firs rising round it like a wall. On one side was a little stream, beyond which rose the steep mountain slope, covered with the unbroken growth of evergreen forest. They were surprised to find that during their absence something, apparently a bear, had visited the camp, and had rummaged about among their things, scattering the contents of their packs, and in sheer wantonness destroying their lean-to. The footprints of the beast were quite plain, but at first, they paid no particular heed to them, busying themselves with rebuilding the lean-to, laying out their beds and stores, and lighting the fire. While Bauman was making ready supper, it being already dark, his companion began to examine the tracks more closely, and soon took a brand from the fire to follow them up, where the intruder had walked along a game trail after leaving the camp. When the brand flickered out, he returned and took another, repeating his inspection of the footprints very closely. Coming back to the fire, he stood by it a minute or two, peering out into the darkness, and suddenly remarked, Bauman, that bear has been walking on two legs. Bauman laughed at this, but his partner insisted that he was right, and upon again examining the tracks with a torch, they certainly did seem to be made by but two paws or feet. However, it was too dark to make sure. After discussing whether the footprints could possibly be those of a human being, and coming to the conclusion that they could not be, the two men rolled up in their blankets and went to sleep under the lean-to. At midnight Bauman was awakened by some noise and sat up in his blankets. As he did so his nostrils were struck by a strong, wild beast odor, and he caught the loom of a great body in the darkness at the mouth of the lean-to. Grasping his rifle, he fired at the vague, threatening shadow, but must have missed, for immediately afterward he heard the smashing of the underwood as the thing, whatever it was, rushed off into the impenetrable blackness of the forest and the night. After this, the two men slept but little, 
sitting up by the rekindled fire, but they heard nothing more. In the morning they started out to look at the few traps they had set the previous evening and put out new ones. By an unspoken agreement, they stayed together all day and returned to camp towards evening. On nearing it they saw, hardly to their astonishment that the lean-to had again been torn down. The visitor of the preceding day had returned, and in wanton malice had tossed about their camp kit and bedding, and destroyed the shanty. The ground was marked up by its tracks, and on leaving the camp it had gone along the soft earth by the brook. The footprints were as plain as if on snow, and, after a careful scrutiny of the trail, it certainly did seem as if, whatever the thing was, it had walked off on but two legs. The men, thoroughly uneasy, gathered a great heap of dead logs and kept up a roaring fire throughout the night, one or the other sitting on guard most of the time. About midnight the thing came down through the forest opposite, across the brook, and stayed there on the hillside for nearly an hour. They could hear the branches crackle as it moved about, and several times it uttered a harsh, grating, long-drawn moan, a peculiarly sinister sound. Yet it did not venture near the fire. In the morning the two trappers, after discussing the strange events of the last 36 hours, decided that they would shoulder their packs and leave the valley that afternoon. They were the more ready to do this because in spite of seeing a good deal of game sign, they had caught very little fur. However it was necessary first to go along the line of their traps and gather them, and this they started out to do. All the morning they kept together, picking up trap after trap, each one empty. On first leaving camp they had the disagreeable sensation of being followed. In the dense spruce thickets, they occasionally heard a branch snap after they had passed, and now and then there were slight rustling noises among the small pines to one side of them. At noon they were back within a couple of miles of camp. In the high, bright sunlight their fears seemed absurd to the two armed men, accustomed as they were, through long years of lonely wandering in the wilderness, to face every kind of danger from man, brute or element. There were still three beaver traps to collect from a little pond in a wide ravine nearby. Bauman volunteered to gather these and bring them in, while his companion went ahead to camp and made ready the packs. On reaching the pond Bauman found three beavers in the traps, one of which had been pulled loose and carried into a beaver house. He took several hours to secure and prepare the beaver, and when he started homewards he marked, with some uneasiness, how low the sun was getting. As he hurried toward camp, under the tall trees, the silence and desolation of the forest weighed on him. His feet made no sound on the pine needles and the slanting sunrays, striking through among the straight trunks, made a grey twilight in which objects at a distance glimmered indistinctly. There was nothing to break the gloomy stillness which, when there is no breeze, always broods over these sombre primeval forests. At last, he came to the edge of the little glade where the camp lay and shouted as he approached it, but got no answer. The campfire had gone out, though the thin blue smoke was still curling upwards. Near it lay the packs wrapped and arranged. At first, Bauman could see nobody, nor did he receive an answer to his call. Stepping forward he again shouted, and as he did so his eye fell on the body of his friend, stretched beside the trunk of a great fallen spruce. Rushing towards it the horrified trapper found that the body was still warm, but that the neck was broken, while there were four great fang marks in the throat. 
The footprints of the unknown beast creature, printed deep in the soft soil, told the whole story. The unfortunate man, having finished his packing, had sat down on the spruce log with his face to the fire, and his back to the dense woods, to wait for his companion. While thus waiting, his monstrous assailant, who must have been lurking in the woods, waiting for a chance to catch one of the adventurers unprepared, came silently up from behind, walking with long noiseless steps and seemingly still on two legs. Evidently unheard, it reached the man and broke his neck by wrenching his head back with its four paws, while it buried its teeth in his throat. It had not eaten the body, but apparently had romped and gambled around it in uncouth, ferocious glee, occasionally rolling over and over it, and had then fled back into the soundless depths of the woods. Bauman, utterly unnerved and believing that the creature with which he had to deal was something either half-human or half-devil, some great goblin beast, abandoned everything but his rifle and struck off at speed down the pass, not halting until he reached the beaver meadows where the hobbled ponies were still grazing. Mounting, he rode onwards through the night, until beyond reach of pursuit. I was in Iraq in 2007 as an AAV mechanic. Back then there weren't fancy armored glass kits so we had Mad Max some HMMWV windows to act as protection for the driver and the troop commander seats. I was in the troop commander's seat since we didn't have troops mounted up and it was right behind the driver. We were on a dirt road and I was sitting up out of the vehicle at about stomach height mainly overconfident in said patch job windows when out of nowhere I got the feeling that it wasn't a good idea. As soon as I clicked the seat down to the lowest position so that only my head was out of the vehicle we hit an IED. It completely shredded the armor on the side of the vehicle and we never found the window. So instead of possibly being dead from losing an arm or worse I only got a busted eardrum out of the deal. I also hit an IED a week after and a third one a month to the day of the first one but I didn't sense those. Maybe cause I wasn't near the impact of those two? Who knows? Hi. I'm from East Long Island, New York, and single. One night in the summer of 2016 I was lying in bed unable to sleep when a very bright white light entered the room. Then several humanoids appeared in my bedroom and stood by my bed. These beings were about 4 foot tall, wide in the torso, with large heads, large black eyes, no ears, or hair with dark bluish-gray skin. Their hands were very wide with thick fingers and nails. They wore white robes down to the floor. They asked me to come with them and I followed them down to the street. There I saw a group of women, maybe two dozen or so, slowly walking down the street. All appeared to be in a trance and were going in the direction of the beach. I also felt drawn to the water. When I got there, I observed four brightly lit disc-shaped objects hovering over the surface. A tall beautiful female with pale skin and wearing a long flowing black hooded robe appeared in front of me. I was called by this being and asked to conduct a test. I soon found myself standing by the foot of my bed with the stocky beings attempting to stick me with a long needle. It was inserted into my upper chest and an opaque yellow liquid was extruded from me. I remember waking mid-morning the next day with a terrible headache. 
I have no idea why this occurred. I couldn't find any marks, but I did experience intense dizzy spells and had problems eating some days. I lost about 50 pounds during the next 4 month period and was hospitalized for one week while tests were being conducted on me. I did not relate my experience with anyone, not even the doctors. The results of the tests did not result in a diagnosis. Over the past 6 years, my body and appearance have drastically changed. Some people say that I am looking and acting much younger. There is no explanation. I was driving back from university with my mom. We had taken this trip millions of times, and there were never any issues. However, this time, while we were driving, we hit what I can only describe as a time bubble. The road had completely transformed, pitch black, devoid of lights, and with no sign of life. The road markers were gone, and the road signs that remained had been blacked out, reminiscent of what they did in World War II in case of invasion. Even the smell of the area was different, and a massive amount of fog appeared. It felt eerily calm, and no matter which direction we drove, we ended up at the same junction. For hours, we circled around this mysterious spot until, suddenly, the last time we exited the junction, there were lights, cars, and signs of normalcy. I cannot explain it, and whenever we talk about it, it seems even more insane. When we checked the clock, only minutes had passed, but the mileage records on my car indicated that we had traveled about 60 miles. I've never felt more confused in my life, and each time we brought it up, people just laughed, dismissing our experience as if we were crazy. I never drove that way again. So, it's kind of paranormal, but when I was growing up, my dad was obsessed with Civil War history, so family trips always consisted of visiting battlefields. On this particular trip, we went to Antietam and stayed at a B&B, a historic farmhouse that had served as a Civil War field hospital. It was owned by an officer in the Confederate Army. Everything was fine until about midway through the night when my brother and I woke up to my mom panicking in the other room. She had basically jumped out of bed and run to wake us all up. When we asked her what happened, she explained that she was having trouble falling asleep due to how cold the room was, and this was the south in the summer, mind you. Then, all of a sudden, she was convinced someone was waiting outside the bedroom door. So she called out, thinking it was my dad or something. Moments later, she felt something standing over her in the bed, and frozen with fear, my mom couldn't move. She started to get tucked into bed, as if fingers were pressing the bedding tightly around her body. After the tucking, something brushed her cheek and then was gone. The room was warm again, and my mom lost it, jumping out of bed. We checked the bed, and there were visible tuck marks. Like the outline of my mom's body was still present in the bed even after she had gotten up. To this day, it's something in my family none of us can explain. We all saw the tuck marks and we even have photos of it. My dad swears it wasn't him and my brother and I were sleeping in the same room, so I know he didn't do it. Sometimes I go out to the bow of the ship and look at the stars. 
Nothing really can compare when you see the Milky Way and shit. But I was looking at these stars that formed a triangle shape. The next thing I know the triangles rotate. The triangle is upside down now and I ask my friend who's up there with me if he sees the upside down triangle he says oh yeah there. The triangle rotates to its original position. And he continued. What the F? I asked if he saw what I saw and he said he did. Weird man. Of course no one in the ship believed us. Haven't been in this situation for a while, but in the mid-2000s I was in the Navy. I was on a small buoy, 187 feet long, 31 feet wide if I remember right. I might not have, purposely or not. Anyway, the general dimensions are close enough to bank on, but, I was on a fairly small boat and we were in 12 feet seas. To those that don't understand seas, you have a trough and a crest, the midpoint is where you measure from, so that meant at the bottom of the trough, there was 24 feet of water above us. Scariest thing I've ever seen. We had the fantail closed because if we had a man overboard it would have been man dead. With that being said, I saw some strange things. The lights and such can be explained I guess, but it was more than that. The sea can let you know you aren't alone, or wanted, but before it was closed I had a chance to stand on the fantail and witness the phenomenon. There were lights in the sea. Plankton, other weird things? Possibly. But it was like seeing a several level Christmas tree presentation, and it was mesmerizing. I've seen more than one explanation video for what I saw, but it doesn't do it justice. Looking on a wall of water that could wipe you out in an instant is something that is hard to explain, and I can't even try to tell you what I saw out there. It was nature at its most majestic. I guess, join the small boy navy and chill to read crazy Bermuda Triangle rumors as well as whatever else is said, and then, party. I was in the navy, stationed on my ship with my duty buddy while I was off work. The weather took a turn for the worse, and what started as a bad day quickly escalated. The duty officer of the deck, O.O.D., a tiny black girl with the thickest Louisiana accent you'd ever heard, began frantically issuing emergency weather commands over the PA system. In the midst of the chaos, the ship shore power lines were violently pulled from the ship as our moor lines succumbed to the relentless weather. I could only imagine the arc and spark show that ensued. However, for my duty buddy and me, who were nonchalantly enjoying beef bowls in my shop, all systems abruptly died. The ship fell into immediate silence, and darkness enveloped us for a few moments. Experiencing utter and complete silence on a vessel, with all systems offline, is something you never expect. It sends chills down your spine. The sudden hush in the midst of the storm left an indelible mark on my memory, a stark reminder of the unpredictable nature of the sea and the eerie moments it can bring. 